0: This podcast is a production of the Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska. A place where real people meet a real God to live in a real world. For more information, visit our website at www.communitycovenant.net. The scripture reading for today is from Mark 1, verses 9 through 15. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. As Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him out into the desert, and he was in the desert forty days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals and angels attended him. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news.
1: Good morning. I have a letter from a son who went to college to his dad. He says, school is really great. Making lots of friends and studying very hard with all my stuff. I simply can't think of anything I need. So if you wouldn't if you would like, you can just send me a card. As I would love to hear from you. Love your son. Does that sound like a son or daughter of anybody here? So of course, dad responds. Dear son, I know that astronomy and economics and oceanography are enough to keep even an honor student busy. Do not forget the pursuit of knowledge is a noble task, and you can never study enough. (laughs) Dad. So happy Father's Day. Um, You know, dads are different than moms, aren't they? I just got to tell you one story about my dad. I think this is something that a dad would do. So my mom gave birth to five kids. I'm the third of five. So when I was about three or five, and she was anticipating number four or number five, I'm not sure which it was. I don't remember this. This is what I've been told. But she was getting concerned because her number three child, which happened to be me, did not respond very well to her instruction and it was a constant battle and she's saying, man, if I have another and I'm I'm about ready to have another one and I don't know what I'm going to do I'm worried about Tyler, you know, what is he going to do I had the reputation, by the way, of being um, I got as many spankings, I think, as all my siblings put together my parents definitely believed in spanking especially when it came to me anyway, my dad, he said, you know what, don't worry about it I'll take care of it just like that I'll take care of it. Doesn't that sound like a dad? So he took me down to a park. And uh, he took a book or something to do, and he let me go and play on the playground. And every so often he would stop and go, Hey, Tyler, come here. And if I did not come, I got a spanking. And he go, All right, good. Now go back and play. i go play for a little while and go, Hey, Tyler, come here. You get the story, right? I mean, I learned... And so, later that day, in one day, my dad taught me how to be a very obedient child. Just simply like that. I mean, he took care of it. Hey, are there any perfect dads here this morning? Yeah? (laughs) What am I doing up here? David, come on up here, man. All right. No, I don't know. This, this topic, it it can be intimidating. I mean, I, I have two kids. I have a 14 year old and an 11 year old. My daughter, the oldest, son's younger. I told them they couldn't come to church today. Because I don't want them calling me a hypocrite later, right? No. Doing the dad thing can be, it can be a challenge. And, uh, today what I want to do is I want to elevate what it means to be a father, to be a dad. Um, but in doing that, I'm not lowering what it means to be a mother. Okay, hear that? I want to speak to dads and to 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 men in particular. But I have I think something for all of us. But in that process, I don't I don't want women to feel like I'm denigrating them. I'm I want to lift up the role of dads. Is that a good thing? And uh, you know, Bill Hybels he says, you know, when when leaders do well. Everybody wins. I want to say when dads do good, when dads do better, everybody wins, right? And, uh, you know, if dads wear the pants in the family, everybody know the mom's the one who picks out the pants. Is that right? I don't know. That has nothing to do with my message. I read that somewhere this week. Well, in the passage that was read this morning, we're really looking a little bit, mostly, at the relationship of Jesus Christ with His Heavenly Father. And as Mark introduced His Gospel, He's introducing us to the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. And unlike Matthew and Luke and even John, He dives in very, very quickly and uh, introduces by way of John the Baptist story a little bit, this person called Jesus Christ. And in the midst of that, we're able to sort of look over Jesus' shoulder. I don't know if you picked it up, but in Mark's gospel, we get to witness what it is that Jesus saw, what Jesus experienced. What it said is, is at the time Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan, as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. See, he saw And a voice came from heaven. This is what he heard. You are my son whom I love. With you I'm well pleased. I want to make a couple observations as we come into this story. I think it's a challenge for me personally and I think for most people to keep always in balance this identity of Jesus Christ as we look to him as Savior, as part of the Trinity, as God, but also as 100% Man, That's so important for us as we attempt to follow Jesus Christ, to model our lives after his word and his way. But I think there's several clues in here that not that we're supposed to disregard him as Jesus Christ, son of God, but we're definitely supposed to see him as son of man. And here's a few clues I see. As you read this, there's people coming out from Jerusalem, from all over. And then there, here's this man coming from Nazareth. Nazareth is a very humble town. It's an out of the way, you know. And he he comes to be baptized. And who is it that's getting baptized? It's a re- baptism of repentance. It's sinners. So Jesus comes to identify with humanity, is my contention. Baptism is one of the few words that comes into our English language, not changed a whole lot from the Greek. The Greek is baptizo, or something very close to that, if I remember my Greek right. But what it means, uh, what what um, people who worked in textiles used to do, they would take raw fabric, and they would baptize it into dye. And when they did that, so let's say they had a real... Uh, bright blue that they wanted to pick up in the dye when they dipped that, now suddenly it's a blue piece of cloth. It becomes permanently identified. And so in this gathering of humanity that's coming, who have come out to say, "But my life isn't right, Jesus is coming to stand with them. Because in our uh, theology of Christ, we know that he didn't have sin he needed to confess, he didn't have some area of his life that he needed to straighten out but he's coming to identify with humanity so he comes from a humble place he identifies with humanity and then what happens right after that well it goes he goes into the wilderness to be tested and the other gospels bring that out more if you when you read in luke it said that he fasted for 40 days and uh that he was hungry to which we replied duh Right? 40 days, you're hungry, right? But the point is, Jesus is experiencing this as a man. We have to be careful when we look to Christ that we worship Him as God, but identify that He completely identifies with us. As a man, human, who's come to model for us what it means to live the words and the way of our God. So, and we read in James that God cannot tempt, nor is he ever tempted, and yet we see the man, Jesus Christ, who endures temptation testing in the desert. So in his frailty as a man, he has needs. He has to, he gets hungry. He gets tired. He gets frustrated. He experiences things and he has to rely on his heavenly father the same way that you and I do. He's 100% man at the same time 100% God. Now that that's hard to wrap our brains around, but that's what scripture presents for us. So when Jesus hears those words, You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Maybe that wasn't Jesus walking on the water. Maybe it was Jesus being about ready to be tempted. The man who needs to hear as a man who needs to receive from his father assurance of his identity. I want to look at um, uh, a passage in uh, Genesis chapter 1 and 2 with you. If you have your Bible, I want to encourage you to turn there. So we see the Heavenly Father in His authority, the God who reigns over everything, speaking identity, speaking the truth about His Son, the Son of promise, the Son whom He loves, the Son that He's completely delighted with exactly who He is. Could that be a model for us as men, as dads? When I look at Genesis, and I'm going to start with, uh, let me see my notes here, verse 26. This is the uh chapter 1 is the Genesis account of God's creation and in chapter 2 we revisit specifically um, God's creation of humanity in a little bit more detail but I'm going to pick up right now in verse 26 of chapter 1 it says then God said let us make man in our image in our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air over the livestock over all the earth and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So real quickly, a couple things. Men and women together created in the image of God to be God's image bearers together. Okay? And I'm not going to go into all that what that means to be in God's image, to be made in God's image, but in this context right here, we can pick up certainly an important critical part of it. Um reading back there in I'm going to start back in 26 again. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and all of the creatures that move along the ground. The, one of the ways that we reflect being made in God's image is He allows us as agents of His authority and power in the world, and it mentions the creative world and everything about it, which what I would include the uh, spiritual things, it includes community things. It doesn't just include gardening and my pet dog. You know what I'm saying? That God in making us in his image, gave us an opportunity to express that image through our power and authority we exert in the world around us. You see, that that's one of the ways that men and women were both created in the image of God, as his agents, allowing the rule and the reign of God to become fleshed out in creation. So now let's jump down in chapter 2. And in chapter 2, we get the story of how Adam and Eve were created a little bit more specifically. And if you're familiar with the story, Adam's created first. And I'm going to pick it up in verse 19. It says, Now the Lord, this is chapter 2, verse 19, Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the beasts of the field and all the birds of the air. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the air, and all the beasts of the field. So, here's God allowing man to exercise that power and authority by bringing the creatures before him, allow him to call out, to name what it is about them. See, I don't think it was that God, you know, like we might do with our kids and say, well, let's let Junior, our three-year-old, name the cat. I'm going to name it Fifi. Oh, isn't that cute? Fifi. You know, I don't think Adam just named the bunny Fluffy and the bear Teddy and whatever. You know what I mean? I think that Adam was exercising that power, that image of God to be, allow the rule and authority of God to work through him as he named the animals. As he observed what it was about their nature and their character that he brought out, and and that somehow that name is almost like a branding. It says something about the nature of that animal. And as we continue to read, it says that, But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib. He had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of the man. Do you see what just happened there? Where God, through the man, he notices what her character and nature is. She's like me. She's one like me, made in the image of God, and I'm going to name her woman. Now, is there any relationship to this, and to fathering, and to how God has wired men to call forth the nature, the identity from our children, from people that we have influence in, It's interesting as you, as you look over the Bible and see how men were very involved in naming their kids, blessing their kids, helping to instill that identity, who they were, how they fit into community, how they fit into God's plan. All of us, men and women, we exercise as God's created beings made in His image, we exercise our authority and rule around us for good or for evil. Could it be that God has a role that He has for fathers in helping to call out and we see that. We see that back in Mark when we go back there. You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. I have some statistics to show you that I found. I think. Okay. I think so, all these have something in common. 71% of high school dropouts, 75% of youth in drug abuse centers, 85% of youth with behavioral issues, 85% of youth in prison, and 90% of runaway and homeless youth. According to this source I saw, so said they come from fatherless homes. Maybe the Father's role is really important in helping to identify who we are and whose we are. Who we are and whose we are. Those phrases, you are my son, you belong, you belong to me. You're the son of promise, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Meaning, you're perfect the way I made you. You're you're exactly right for what I've called. So the first, uh, you saw that word flash up there. The first thing I want to suggest that's very critical for us as fathers and as men, and as we go on through this uh, today, I want to point out that. Um, You know, a father doesn't have to just be so biologically, right? One of the greatest opportunities we have as men to disciple others is to become something of a spiritual father. If you were here um, on Friday night with Jeff, we, we said we were... Did kind of a celebration of Jeff's ministry and it was really neat to see how my youth stood up and talked about the impact that Jeff has had. Jeff doesn't have any of his own kids. But he's been a spiritual father. Giving kids identity. Help them to see who they are. Helping to prepare them to face life's challenges. So the identity piece is very big. You'll notice... In the scripture that It was God's spirit In verse 12 It says that once the spirit Sent him out in the desert And it takes me to the next part I think that fathers can uniquely help In developing their kids And it has to do with challenge It's challenging them to be something So here's Jesus Savior of the world King of the universe And rather than it leading to a life of privilege It leads to Challenge it leads to difficulty. The other thing I want to point out about the order of this for, for this one, but all three of the Gospels, you'll notice that this always happens in this order. Jesus' identity is announced, is pronounced. And then you have the challenge in the desert. And then you have him entering into the ministry Beginning, proclaiming the good news about what God was doing. In other words, there's no waiting until he's passed the test. Say, well, now you're my son. We have to wait and see if you're going to prove yourself. No son of mine would have, you know, see, his identity Imagine the difference for you and for I when we go into challenges, when our identity is secure on the front end, instead of the challenge itself being the thing that decides who we are and whose we are. Huge difference. We live in a world of, where people everywhere are trying to figure out who they are and whose they are in the midst of Challenges. As men, as fathers, we can help to to mark people, to call out, to tell them who they are and whose they are that's apart from the testing that might come. It's apart from what they may end up doing in terms of their purpose in life. The Bible doesn't say a whole lot specifically to fathers and children, but, you know, it's interesting a couple things it does say. In uh, Ephesians and Colossians, uh, in the NIV, it's like, fathers don't embitter your children. Fathers don't, what's the other one say? Anybody remember? Exasperate your children. Can you imagine how when you're, Your children are trying to go through a a testing time, whether it's as a small child, whether it's as a youth, or maybe even as a a young adult or older. And if they're going through a difficult time and they feel like that somehow what's hanging in the balance is who they are and whose they are, how that might be exasperating, how that might be embittering, The identity piece comes before the challenge. And as you enter the challenge, you know, Satan and his demons always have another plan B, another option for our kids, for those people who we're discipling, apart from what God has purpose for them, what God has designed them for, apart from who they are and whose they are. And so we want to challenge because that's always there. It's always present. The other thing I wanted to mention about uh, the challenge is, uh, and this is a bit of semantics, and I think I heard, Todd, I think I heard you talk about this recently, the difference between success and significance. It's, it's semantics in a way. But I want to use those two words, success and significance, to illustrate that, you know, the values that we see in the world around us is about having the right education, having the right job, having all the opportunities and privileges that life has to offer, all the freedom. You can have all of that and have very little significance. Where we want to challenge our kids is to ask us, who has God made you to be? What unique role does God have for you? to live into that, where they're going to find joy, where they're going to find purpose. You know, when you look around the world, the people who have success, whether it's the entertainment industry, whether it's, you know, top of their field or something, these are not necessarily happy, joyful, purpose-filled people who have good relationships. We want to challenge our kids to live into the significance that God has for them. And not just success as the world defines it. I want to illustrate how... Um, you can be a spiritual father to someone. And we have examples of that in Scripture. You know, Paul didn't have any kids of his own. And yet you see him being a spiritual father to churches and to individuals. And the, and the big one is uh, Timothy. And in both of his letters, right at the very beginning, he, there's just this warmth. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the command of God our Savior and of Christ Jesus our hope. To Timothy, my true son in the faith. hear that, my son. And as you read through the letter, I start writing down all the instruction. Man, you think your dad nags you. I mean, Timothy, Paul gives Timothy its instruction after instruction after instruction. But in the midst of that, he reminds him who he is. He reminds him of God's call in his life. The prophecy that was spoken over him. How God has designed him. Where God has taken him where God is going to take him. But the challenge in the midst of that, so he reminds him of his identity, he reminds him that you're my son in the faith, and then he challenges him. And the words get, you know, I charge you in the sight of God and Christ Jesus and the elect angels to keep these instructions without partiality and to do nothing out of favoritism. I mean, he challenges him to step up. I'm going to try this with my kids when I get want I get them to do the dishes or something. I charge you. And no. Same thing in 2 uh, Timothy. This is how it starts. A Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, in keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dear son. More instruction. More challenge. The challenge in 2 Timothy. In the presence of God and with Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead. And in view of His appearing in His kingdom, I give you this charge. You hear that? Challenging him. Live into what God has created you to be, what God has created you to do. The third area does not come... Specifically, out of the Mark passage, but I want to reflect on it because I feel like it's an area that scares me, honestly. It has this idea of setting an example or modeling for my kids. You know, one of the biggest challenges in my life is to simply just ask the question, if my kids turn out exactly like me, am I okay with that? If my kids turn out exactly like me, am I okay with that? One of the biggest motivators for me to live a life that's worthy is I know my kids are watching. How many times have you said, wow, I I sounded just like my dad. I said I would never do that. Or I sounded just like my mom. I mean, the modeling is so, so important. I have an opportunity... To, sh- to, sh- to say to my kids watch me not just how I cut a board with a skill saw not just how I fix the toilet I'm not going to use that illustration next service because my wife will be here too but anyway beside the point it's how I handle conflict it's how I spend my time it's what I value it's how I treat my wife speak so loudly. You know, even Jesus, this is kind of interesting. Jesus, you know, he's having conflict with somebody because they said, well, you're, I mean, they think that Jesus' agenda and God's agenda are two different things. So what does Jesus say? Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. Isn't that a beautiful thing? How did Jesus know what to do? He looked to his father. What his father thought was important. What his father... Where his father was working in the world. And he just joined in. How did Jesus make the, the decision? Early in his ministry, he, he goes into a town and, and he heals a few people and pretty soon people are coming out of the woodwork and they all want a piece of Jesus. And he's he goes off in the morning and he prays and and the disciples come looking for him and it's like, What is he doing? We got a good thing going here. And Jesus comes back and goes, Well, we gotta go, we gotta move on to the next kingdom or to the next town. See, he's he understands that what God is doing is bigger than that town. He sees what his God is doing everywhere and he joins him in that. So I asked the question again for myself and for all of us. If my kids are just like me, I'm talking like values and how I spend my time, am I okay with that? I'm not. So I want to continue to grow. I want to acknowledge those places in my life where I said, you know what, I'm sorry. I'm not a good example in this particular area. I want something better for you. I want you to reflect Jesus in his life better than I do. I want to close with just this. In terms of as men, as fathers who are influencing people, who are calling out identity, who are using the the power and authority that God has given us to speak truth into people's lives, call forth what God has created in them, if we are not settled in our own identity, we're going to mess that up. We need to look to our Heavenly Father to speak to us, all of us today, men and women, as a beginning place, as how we endure temptation, as how we move into the place of ministry that God has given us. We need to hear our Heavenly Father say, You are my child, whom I love. And I made you exactly the way I want you. I'm so delighted with how I've designed you. I'm so excited about how I want to use you in the kingdom. So We need to come from that place when we speak into the lives of other people. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, just as you heard from your heavenly Father who you were, that you belong to him, that you're loved, may we hear that today as well. Lord, I pray for us as as a congregation that we would so firmly find our identity in you that would completely transform how we endure difficulty and how we move into mission that it would be modeled after Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for men, for fathers in our congregation today, that we would grow in our appreciation of the opportunities of the role that you've given us, that we would live into that with your power and authority. We ask in Jesus' name.